Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message is taken from our Gospel reading from John chapter 1 with an emphasis on these words. Jesus answered them, or John answered them, I baptize you with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, amen. There's an old saying concerning the Holy Scriptures that goes something like this. It says, Jesus is the silver thread running through the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Now, while this saying certainly isn't bad, I've always kind of felt that it stopped short of capturing the full magnitude of Christ in the Word. Jesus is less silver thread and more golden tapestry. What I mean by this is that every single narrative contained in the Holy Bible is written there for the express purpose of revealing Christ Jesus to you. The morality, the history, the poetry, the wisdom teachings, all of those wonderful things that we talked about two Wednesdays ago, these are all but supplementary to the principal mission of this book which St. John the Apostle describes at the end of his account of the Gospel. Here again are his words. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, out of all of the early witnesses to the Christ, there were perhaps none who understood this task better than John the Baptist. As the very last and greatest of the Old Testament prophets, it was the privilege of John to announce the incarnation of the Messiah to his people Israel, a task which we see in our Gospel reading for today. It turns out he was quite effective at. Those who heard or saw John couldn't help but take notice at what he had to say. For here, out in the wilderness, was a priest of the Levitical order, a gifted and zealous preacher. But he wore no clerical garb. He certainly didn't teach in the synagogue. John is described to us as an outlandish figure who donned garbs of camel's hair and who consumed locusts and wild honey, whose pulpit was the River Jordan outside of Jerusalem. To be sure, the message this bohemian prophet bore was as attention-grabbing as his appearance. For John cried out in the wilderness, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Yes, the message of John was quite clear to his hearers. The Lord is coming, just as the prophet said, and he is coming now. Ready your hearts to receive him, who God has promised for your salvation. Make straight his paths. Attached to this exhortation was the baptism which was so affixed to John's mission that it became part of his name. This baptism would later be described by another saint, St. Paul, as a baptism of repentance to present a people ritually washed and ready to receive their Savior. 
Yet, despite the clarity of his message, and despite the significance tied to this penitential washing, some among his hearers began to question whether John himself was the Christ. They were running the danger of getting so wrapped up in the charisma of the witness that they would ignore what he was witnessing. They were not seeing Christ, the golden tapestry, in what John was ministering to them. However, John himself was under no delusions about his station, and he took the opportunity to set his hearers straight by saying to them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. You see, whether or not he realized this, John had just summarized the entirety of the prophetic office and the priesthood that would follow. For Christ is not just the golden tapestry of the Holy Scriptures, he is the very substance of all prophecy and the authority by which your pastors preach and teach and baptize. Before him, we are unworthy indeed, but stewards and imitators of God who calls us to serve. But thanks be to God that he takes such unworthy vessels and that he uses them all the same to carry his life-saving word, revealing the light of Christ through the very sinners who so desperately need him. As an example of this, take not just John, not just your pastors, but all of the prophets of the Old Testament. Take Noah, for example. If we were to look at Noah's ministry in a modern context, we might be tempted to call him a failure. In all the years that he built the ark, Noah only ever managed to convince his family, and them alone, of the coming flood. And following the cataclysm, he was known to have fallen into shameful and drunken stupors resulting in one of his sons being cursed. And yet, how does God behave toward this unworthy vessel? He did not forsake Noah or his children. He did not hide his bow from the sky for future generations. And Noah knew the Christ by this promise. Or what of Abraham? And what of his wife, Sarah? When they doubted and tried to take the reins of God's plan from him to speed along his promise, did he leave them in the dust to pick out a new hallowed father for the people of Israel? Well, no. He remembered his promises to Abraham, and Abraham knew Christ through God's covenant. What about the greatest of all the prophets in the Old Testament? What about Moses himself? Well, when we look at Moses, the scriptures don't exactly paint him as cutting a particularly attractive figure. Moses would frequently make excuses, he would second-guess the words of God, or sometimes he would just fly into fits of anger and frustration over those whom he was called to care for. Nevertheless, still God remained faithful to Moses and to the Hebrews, and he preserved them 40 years in the wilderness, and they knew Christ through the reception of the law. Friends, all of these signs 
and wonders and prophecies at last came to a head with the voice of this wild man crying out in the wild place, Make straight the way of the Lord. John was indeed the last and greatest prophet. He is the Elijah to come, as Jesus himself would later attest. For what the prophets of old only saw in part through the various signs done by their God, John would bear witness to with his very eyes. He would receive the mercy of Almighty God in the flesh and blood substance of his only begotten Son. John would be the one to usher in the fulfilling of the great and mighty promise of Emmanuel, a God who in the most physical, intimate way is truly with us. John would be the one to look over the hill and with his own voice declare, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John would be the one to submerge the incarnate Christ into the waters of the Jordan, making him sin-bearer for all mankind. And so I ask you, out of all of the prophets who ever prophesied, out of all the voices who have ever cried out, of all the peoples that have ever walked this earth trusting in the promises of God, who among them could ever count themselves more honored, more esteemed, more privileged than John Bar Zechariah the baptizer? Who? Well, for starters, how about everyone watching this sermon right now? Allow me to explain. What Noah knew only by promise, what Abraham knew only through the covenant, what Moses knew only through the law, and what John knew through his baptism of repentance, you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you have received the gift in its fullness. You know Emmanuel. You have seen and you have heard how your God is with you from the voice of his prophets crying out even to our generation from his holy word. But still there is more. For you also have felt him. You have received him on your flesh by a new baptism with which he has sealed you in water and the spirit and marked you as his very own. And yet there is still more. You may taste with your mouth, and you may see with your eyes that the Lord is good in his holy supper. You are privileged to do something John was not, to take his very flesh and blood, crucified on Calvary's cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And yet, still God gives you more. For you also have the joy and the privilege to come and worship each week with the fellowship of the saints in heaven and on earth, as they join their voices in exultation over him who by his resurrection conquered death. You, dear friends, are a witness to these things. You have received the forgiveness which Christ has won for you on Calvary. Yes, Emmanuel was most certainly present in the prophecies of old, but all of those larger-than-life figures those great men and women of bygone days, they saw only a part, a portion, a shadow of that which has been revealed to you and me.
what they all eagerly anticipated, you and I now receive in abundance here in this place. Heed then the words of the prophet this Advent season, ready to receive, ready yourselves to receive Christ the light who has come into this world. Hear the voice of his law, his prophets, and his holy gospel. Eat and drink his very body and blood given and shed for you. Come together in his church, as with all peoples who trust in him, we await for his coming again in glory, the fullness of his promise, at long last revealed, not just to the generations before, not just to our generation, but to all generations. Prepare the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in the same Christ Jesus, unto life everlasting. Amen.